I'm David Porter, author of Five Minutes to Live. Just a few things to note about the podcast. First, if you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live, the link is in the description of the podcast, but can be purchased online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and even at Walmart and Target online. I've also listed my Facebook and Twitter links. I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're enjoying the book. In this series, we're going to read through Five Minutes to Live, chapter by chapter, releasing a new chapter each week. If you didn't start with Episode 1, the prologue, please go back and start there. Please subscribe and hit the alert notification, whatever that looks like on your preferred podcast platform. That way you'll know when the new episodes are released. And if you're enjoying this journey, please, please, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Five Minutes to Live has a lot of footnotes for the research done and the Bible verses quoted. I'll post those footnotes in the description of each episode. Finally, I've got a new book on the way titled 60 Seconds of Silence that I am really excited about. Once that book is available, I'll go back and post that link in each episode's description as well. With that, thank you for being here. Let's get started. Chapter 7 Tel Aviv, there go, the cab driver asked me as the city was coming into view over the horizon. His question broke my train of thought. I was trying to understand the weight of what had happened to my friend Jessica, and then what had happened to the people trying to save her. I was scared and I was on my own, alone in a foreign country. The incident at the airport was the first time I had ever been near a shootout, and it was the first time I had ever really had my life threatened in any way. I had grown up hearing my dad tell stories of the shooting incidents he had been involved with during his time in law enforcement. The difference then was that it was a single shooter with a revolver who was trying to escape from him, not a group of heavily armed mercenaries, professional soldiers with automatic weapons intent on killing or capturing him. My hands were still shaking as I thought about the staccato sounds of the rapidly firing weapons. I tried to put it all behind me, but twice in less than 12 hours, people had been shooting at me, and I didn't really even know why. Why were they waiting for us? Why were they shooting at us? What was worse, I didn't even know who the mercenaries were. I mean, if they weren't wearing black, carrying guns and hidden by masks, I wouldn't even know they were the enemy. If they ever faced me wearing jeans with a concealed weapon, I was toast. It gave me a newfound respect for my dad and his law enforcement days, and for Aaron's father, who had somehow died in the line of duty. Instead of focusing on the past few hours' events, I started looking forward to the task at hand. I knew I had to reach Dr. Kaplan and get his help, and I had to do it before the mercenaries arrived there. It might be the only way to save Jessica. The quiet drive gave me the time I needed to figure out what I would do next. I'd find Dr. Kaplan, explain what was going on, and get him to take me and Jessica's research to a Mossad office. There, we should both be safe. I knew that Jessica's lab was on one of the top floors of her building, so with just a question or two, I should be able to find him. Hopefully. As my thoughts turned back to Dr. Kaplan, I realized there was something else tugging at the back of my mind. 
a tiny storm cloud off in the distance. Aaron had a pretty good plan, and I was still following it as best as I could as a civilian with no support. The plan all hinged on finding Dr. Kaplan, and if I accomplished that, the next phase of the plan hinged on his cooperation, giving me or Mossad Jessica's highly valuable research. The storm cloud of doubt, of uncertainty, revolved around the possibility that I couldn't find Dr. Kaplan, or the possibility that he would be unwilling to share the research. That line of thinking led to a darker storm cloud. What if Dr. Kaplan was somehow involved in this plot? Or what if he was behind it to begin with? What if his plan was to steal the research, develop the technology in shadow companies, and keep all the profit for himself? I was starting to see conspiracy theories everywhere. I resolved right then to follow the Lord's leading, to be sensitive to his direction. Under my breath, I whispered, This is all pretty new to me, Lord, but please guide my footsteps. Talk to me like you talk to Jessica. I'm calling on you, and I'm depending on you to answer and show me the things I don't know. Have your spirit to guide me and show me the things to come. Please keep me safe and keep Jessica safe. Place a hedge of protection around us both. Thank you, Father. I ask these things in Jesus' name. I tried to put all those thoughts, the conspiracy, the shootouts, the death and destruction out of my head. I decided to put my trust in God and rely on Him. Then, something Jessica had said the night before popped into my mind and diverted my attention. She said that her discovery would, what, it would, uh, something about changing the way people thought about evolution, dinosaurs and the Big Bang. I personally had always had a hard time reconciling evolution and all the scientific facts with the creation story found in the Bible. I mean, I'm an educated guy, college degree and all. I've studied science since I was in school, and, I mean, it's science. It's fact, right? But on the other hand, I love the thought of an all-powerful, intelligent creator designing each animal, each leaf, and each flower petal, the water cycle, the living cells, with an artist's master stroke painting the blue sky and green grass, the fall leaves in their autumn tones, placing the stars in the night sky. Those were just romantic thoughts, religious dreams, right? Because of science, right? I mean, it's science. What did Jessica discover that could possibly change any of that? I looked out of my window, first looking at the road we were on and the traffic all around, and then realizing I was missing the bigger picture. I was missing the beauty of Israel the wonder of God's creation. The drive was absolutely magnificent. Throughout the entire journey, there was a large body of water with sandy beaches peeking in between the buildings to my right. I had been wondering if that was the Mediterranean Sea, but I didn't want to disturb the blissful silence I was enjoying. The drive had given me some time to calm down, clear my mind, and think. 
Thank you, Lord, for your peace that passes my understanding. At least for the moment, I did have a peaceful feeling. With as many contrary nudges, those scratchy gut feelings I had encountered, for the first time in a while, I was experiencing the opposite. It was a silky smooth, peaceful feeling on the inside. Is this how God is speaking to me? The cab driver's question snapped me back into the moment. Tel Aviv, where go? He asked again. Azraeli Tower, I said in response. Vich, grunted the cab driver. I sat there in terror. There was more than one Azraeli Tower? There's more than one? Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, hold on. Think, Matt, think. Even though the cab driver didn't speak English very well, it was easy for him to understand that I didn't know exactly where I needed to go. He shrugged and asked, Azrieli Trihankel, Azrieli Runt, Azrieli Skur, Azrieli Sorona. It took me a minute to realize he was asking me about the different buildings, naming them by shape, Azrieli Triangle, Azrieli Round, Azrieli Square, Azrieli Sorona. What shape is a Sorona? Sorona! Azrieli Sorona Tower! I blurted as I recognized the name. The taxi driver chuckled, changed lanes, and off we went. In just a few minutes, the cabbie started pointing and said, Dare! Which I understood as there, as in, there's your building. Within a couple miles, I started seeing directional signs written in Hebrew and English that stated Sorona is a neighborhood, not a shape. We were entering the Sorona neighborhood. The Azraeli Sorona Tower is a beautiful expanse of mirrored glass. Rising from the ground, it twists as it soars into the sky, and from our angle, it looked like it pierced the clouds. You can see it for miles and miles. Looking at it, it definitely looks like the newest, tallest building in the city. And even if it's not the newest, by a far margin, it's Tel Aviv's most beautiful building. It truly is breathtaking. From the ground, it looks like two split towers spiraling toward heaven, reflecting the beauty of God's chosen country for all to see. We passed along one side of the ground floor of the building where shops and several places to eat were located, and rounding a corner we turned onto Begin Road. I said to the cab driver, That's a weird name for a street. Begin Road? That sounds more like instructions than a proper name. That's like, start the road here, or something. The cab driver said, Road named after Menachem Begin. He were Prime Minister before. Oh, it's named for someone. Uh, a former prime minister, Minikim Begin. Understood. That makes more sense, I said as we came to a small arcade with two unobtrusive entrances. Here go you, the cab driver said in his broken English. How much? I asked, trying to pay my fare. 470.49 shekel. The big number startled me, but I had no idea how much that would be if it was converted to American dollars. 
whatever the cost, I didn't really have a choice. I pulled out my wallet, selected my credit card, and handed it to him. He placed it in his machine, and in a few moments there was an electronic beeping sound. It didn't sound good. The cab driver removed the card and placed it in his machine again. For a second time, there was the same electronic beeping sound. It was the same sound, but to my ears, it was worse the second time. No take, he said and handed the card back to me. Need card, new. My card had been rejected, and the taxi driver still needed to get paid. I handed him a second card. This time, it was my debit card, but after two unsuccessful attempts, the cab driver got the same result. An angry, beeping sound. Oh no, have the mercenaries accessed my ID online? Have they frozen all of my accounts? What am I going to do? My brain started working overtime. No, not, not, not that deep. I'm in a different country. Security measures placed on credit cards. Uh, none of my cards are going to work uh, until I can call them or get back to the United States. Uh, where's my phone? Oh, my cell phone's dead too. Lord, please help me, I whispered. Panic must have struck my face because the cabbie, who had been watching me in his rearview mirror, put his right arm on the passenger side seat back and turned to look at me more directly. He did not look happy. How much cash do I have? That's not going to work either. All I have are American dollars and not very many of them. What am I going to do? Deep on the inside, I heard a still, small voice say, Jessica's wallet. That's right. I still have Jessica's wallet and all of her cards will work because she spends half the year living here. I pulled out Jessica's small wallet, found her credit card, and handed it to the cabbie. He never looked at it and just stuck it in his machine. He obviously didn't care who was paying him as long as he was getting paid. The machine chimed much friendlier this time. The cabbie grunted, Mazel tov, as he handed me the card back, including a receipt, and I got out. Finally, something had gone right. Father God, that was too cool. Thank you for talking to me and reminding me of Jessica's wallet, I whispered to myself. As he again pulled into traffic, I yelled to the cabbie, Yo, home, smell you later! A nod to the fresh prince. And then I began making my way towards the entrance of the building. I looked down at my watch. It was 3.30 p.m. End of chapter 7. If you're still here, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that reading. If you want to purchase 5 Minutes to Live, the link is in the description below. And you can find my Facebook and Twitter links there as well. Drop me a line. Please subscribe and hit the bell so you know when the next chapter is released. And if you're enjoying this, please share it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.